This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. So we started with a little chatting and some exposition. Um, they were going to um, Thanatos, the 133rd level of the Abyss. Uh, this is Orcus's realm, so this is going to be full of undead. Um, they decided uh, they had a couple different ways to go. Um, they they have a, um, a plane plane shift spell. They also have a um, they have the train that uh, can do a plane shift as well. And then uh, the the genie offered them a way to go as well um, to sign on with some devils and uh, uh, jump in and uh, ride them as a diversion into the portal. Um, that was my preferred way. I was very excited with that, and uh, I had a lot of stuff planned, but alas, you know, um, people don't always do what you want them to do, especially players. Uh, so I um, headed, uh, we, they headed out. Uh, I set the scene, busted the train in, and we jumped into a skill challenge. So skill challenge is something that uh, I'm told is from 4th edition. I never played 4th edition, don't have any of the books, never looked at any of them. Um, I am interested in getting, I believe it's the second DMG that uh, detailed the skill challenge, but I think I've got a pretty good handle on it anyway. So what the skill challenge is, is you take, um, uh, you go around the table basically or an initiative order, you figure out some order to go in and the players um, come up with a skill that they want to use and how it's going to help the, their immediate situation. So, um, like if you're trying to, you know, escape a rolling boulder, right? You can use your acrobatics to slide under a wall that's coming down that will block the boulder. Uh, something like that. So, um, and then you set a difficulty class and you set how many successes they need and how many failures is usually three. So a medium skill challenge is eight, an easy skill challenge is five, and a hard skill challenge is like 11, I think. Um, so I set it at eight. I wanted a medium difficulty skill challenge. Uh, the difficulty was 25 because we are in tier three. Uh, we are pushing the upper bounds of tier three, um, the upper half of tier three, I guess. We've got some 15. The two new players though are level 11. So uh, I fell short there and um, they contributed to the failures more than the successes. The train streaked out of the sky, uh, lost in the tabaxi rogue, shot lightning from the train down into a spot to um, distract the undead horde below them and kind of usher them that way. Miles, the half-orc cleric, used his athletics to uh, kind of swing down from the train and um, shield bash a, a couple rows of enemies. Magnus used intimidation with both of his holy symbols in a uh, come-and-get-me kind of way, but that failed. Some rando, the only one with land vehicles profession, jumped into uh, the fell reaver and headed down. Sombra used her knowledge of the plane by rolling Arcana to uh, decide a good place to land and hide. Roger used stealth to um, bellow out a steam cloud from the train and hide the their 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 trajectory, I guess is the word. Uh, Ark used persuasion to keep everybody calm. 
lost in use performance. Uh, I kind of talked him into that because I thought that'd be really cool. Him standing on top of the Fell Reaver playing his pan flute. Um, I said that he uh, he failed this though because it was not uh, one of his highest skills. I gave him inspiration anyway. Uh, I think I did. If not, take inspiration, Lawson. I uh, he played. Uh, I said he played Rite of the Valkyries on the pan flute, which doesn't sound so good. So it did not intimidate them. Miles uses perception to guide the robot down to a good landing space, and Magnus, for the last fail, used his religion to find a weakness for the undead horde. I rolled 2d20 uh, damage for the crash landing. At the last moment, someone cast Featherfall, so everybody kind of floated down, not taking damage, but the Fell Reaver took 23. Not sure what the damage rating is on the Fell Reaver. The damage threshold is 10, so it's got to be um, anything anything below 10, it ignores. Uh, basically, I used um, Descent into Avernus um, for the Fell Reaver stats. It is an infernal machine. Uh, I thought it would be very cool to give them one of those as soon as I read it, uh, but I didn't like the, the, the vehicle aspect of it, so uh, I, giant mech is better, right? All right, let's see here. So the Fell Reaver tumbled to the ground. Uh, they landed the train safely and uh, put the Fell Reaver back onto the train, and then they entered the maze of uh, Scanafell. This is from uh, uh, Ian World Insider, Insider, and Fiverr. Uh, I recently resubscribed to the Patreon and uh, started using some of the stuff. It's pretty good. Uh, the only thing I did not like is I had to add it to Roll20. Um, it's kind of pain of a pain in the butt, so I probably will not be using a lot of NPCs from them, uh, but I'll probably be using a lot of the other stuff. All right, so upon entering the maze, uh, I showed them to this fancy maze right here. Um, I, I proclaimed last night as mini game night, because I'm excited for more. All right, so basically what we have here is a grid. And I told them they can move to any room in the maze that they like. Um, it doesn't matter the order of discovery. Uh, the, the person I read this from, uh, had it go top down. Uh, I'm thinking maybe I should have done top down. It might have been a little easier. Um, so the way it works is um, these are all squares. You choose a roll, and then it's like a skill check, skill challenge. Sorry, you choose a skill. I changed the DC to 21, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to change that back up to 25. The next time we play, if you make it, then you just uncover the first square. If you fail, um, you uncover one square farther than you are. Uh, if you fail more than five, you move two squares over. So you can see they uh, they did a lot of not failing here. This last one here was the one they finally failed on, and uh, that exposed out to three here. So what that's going to do next time they roll, say they go to storage next, they're going to go straight down if they succeed. And if not, they're going to go, if they succeed by more than five, they're going to go left one. If they fail by fail they're going to go right one and fail by more than five they are going to go right two you can spend resources to minimize that i was saying four resource points key spell sorcery points uh the paladin had lay on hands we agreed that uh, five would count as one because he got five a level so he'd have to spend 20. i think that sounded fair everybody agreed so i didn't hear anybody holler hey i only get one sorcery point a level or something like that 
Alright, so the first one they went to was the shrine. There was a little rat man there. Ratatosk, warlord. Uh, he has been here. His name is Dvork. He has been here for months, he said. And uh, the players, of course, do not trust him because, I don't know, it's probably got something to do with my DM style. So the players immediately wanted to roll insight. Insight's one of those weird rolls, but I asked for um, some fiction around it. Miles said that uh, he wasn't sure of this guy and he wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to stab him in the back. Insight's kind of like, I want to insight this guy, kind of almost makes sense in the fiction. Um, he described it a little better though, like seeing his mannerisms and seeing how he acted and if he was really there, had really been there for months. So I like that a lot better. Um, I of course did not make him roll insight because if he failed, there was no interesting option. Uh, of course I could have made it, if he failed, then he was a bad guy, right? Uh, but that would kind of defeat the purpose of my whole maze thing here. So, no interesting outcome, no role needed. Magnus jumped on board uh, almost immediately after that, asking for insight into um, if he was stabbing him in the back or not. That he was desperate enough to get out to stab the party in the back or not. And again, no complication can arise from this, so no role needed. No, he doesn't look like he's going to stab you in the back. He's very happy to see you, in fact. So he offers to... Um, aid them in their quest through the this maze if he will they will get him out so i said that will give you an extra roll it will give you um an advantage on one of your rolls if you'd like to use it second was the second npc in here uh they headed down to the workshop so the workshop there was a valkyrie there and of course one of our characters is uh a, a ladies man he's a a player i guess uh i would call him he's the the face the wild sorcerer um, he immediately started uh, hitting on her and her being celestial so probably not her but more like it it being celestial um, did not take it well uh, and immediately again Magnus stepped up and was like hey so you said you were cursed to this place can I you know use my hands to remove curse from you and uh, she said yes and then she Got the curse removed, she faded away. I said they get inspiration for that as well. Um, so from there, they went to the shrine. And the shrine was a shrine to Orcus. This is the second shrine. Uh, worthless tapery, tapestry, shrine to Orcus, and an ornate rug, very clean, lying on the floor. The players go for the rug, because uh, it's obviously out of place here, and obviously magical. As soon as someone touches the rug, the rug stands up and bows and says, uh, if you answer my question, my riddle, you can um, take me as a magic item. So the riddle is to name three NPCs in the game, in this world. Uh, it came very fast. I had forgotten kind of about the train and about uh, how many NPCs that uh, Lawson had just created. So he rattled off three right away. Uh, the others tried to in turn and it was pretty easy for them to get three now the the farther right you go on these squares uh the harder it gets uh name three npcs just went to four to five to six to seven uh, i believe there's a blank space here at the end which would have made it so they would have to reinvestigate this area um, all the while we have a um a clock ticking here in the background this is the uh time pool I use this uh, once it hits six, I roll an encounter. Um, I haven't really 
uh, perfected my random encounter yet. I really like the way it is used in uh, Ultraviolet Grasslands. Uh, there's an encounter table, you consult the encounter table, and then you roll on the encounter table three dice. Uh, I have six dice in my dice pool, so I started rolling six dice. Um, not sure exactly what I do with those, but uh, here's my dice roll. I've got d12s in the dice pool. Uh, so I've got uh, intensity, type, and hostility. So uh, the intensity would be kind of like how, how many and um, how hard. Uh, the type would be the, uh, the the roll on the encounter table, and the hostility would be a reaction roll, basically. So I've got to go through and kind of detail this a little better. I am right now just kind of eyeing it and, uh, you know, saying, all right, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Uh, last night, my uh, random encounter roll, it was, uh, the first roll was like all like below five. So I was like, no encounter at all. So it's something that I'm experimenting with and working towards. Uh, I, I like the idea of rolling all my time pool dice, uh, even though I'm probably only going to read three. I was thinking, you know, if intensity is high enough, I can use both from the type. You know, if hostility is high enough, I could use both from the intensity. I, I haven't really decided exactly how that's going to work. But, you know, uh, it's D&D. It's a work in progress. We'll figure it out soon. All right, so let's see. So they get to, after the shrine, they headed to... The drinking well. So in the drinking well, their their uh, Ratatosk friend says, "Oh wait, you know here, there's a uh, shining wire here. Let's step over this wire because there's a fire trap here." And I gave that the the person um, advantage on the the roll. They spotted the trap, which is uh, if the trap is in the first row here, it would be found the trap, no damage. And the farther you get to the right, the more uh, damage it will do. Uh, so after the drinking well, uh, they went to the guard room, I believe. It was the guard room or the storage I think it was a storage room because they had not had any encounters. Uh, and the storage room uh, had a bunch of treasure in it. Uh, so basically it had an embroidered glove set with jewels, a his and hers set, and uh, so there are two pairs. Uh, his and hers, and they were covered in blood, uh, worth 5,000 gold. And a gold circlet set with four aquamarines, uh, worth 2,500 gold. These are kind of just standard DMZ, DMG objects of art I was rolling up. Uh, this is a uh, cache for a tier four monster, uh, which is basically what uh, Sacrafell is. Sacrafell, was that his name? Scanafell. Like, man, I'm not going to get this. I need to go back to practicing names. And then after the storage, that's when they started hit, hitting monsters. So they hit the first guard room. Doing well there. Only getting the first box, which was to Herzu. Hezru? What are they called? Hezru. And these are uh, demons. They are type 4 demons, I believe. No, type type 5 demons, I believe. Um, they are uh, just above Nalfishi, uh, which are uh, what they're looking for. They're looking for uh, to get demon fingers to uh, open this portal to uh, Jeb, which is uh, where Aserarak is. Uh, so as you can see here, this guy's got four fingers on each hand, so they now have eight demon fingers. And then I believe after that, they went straight to the last one on here and the last one they uncovered, the pool, the, the workshop pool. Also, they got leather plus three and chain plus three, which people uh, put on almost immediately. Um, Magnus, uh, Magnus got, got some good stuff in this session. Uh, he 
got the chain and then he got something else i want to say i don't remember i don't remember what it was but he got something else as well in this workshop there was a pool of water in the corner it looked uh nice and fresh and drinkable and of course uh miles was like i drink from it and uh everybody was like no 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 wait 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 so miles was stopped from drinking the water and um they investigated the pool a little bit um nothing magical nothing um uh what is it divine sense nothing celestial fiend or fey um so they were like all right dude go ahead and drink it so they three over so they uh encountered three earth elemental myrmidians mer uh let's see here so um that was pretty much the end of the session that was about 10 30. uh we um talked a little bit after that i have a list of things i need to do here <clears throat> I need to work on a piercing arrow for Roger. I had this last week and I didn't copy the link down. Um, I need to uh, work on Magnus's macros because I put some trash macros in there for him. Uh, kill a demon in the abyss for Ishash the Mighty and that's what they did. Or that's what they're working on. Uh, Blue Lady info is, um, I think I talked about this last week, it's the, uh, the Cleric's God. Uh, which the cleric does not have very much info on and uh, he is he feels a little restricted in creating it I think uh, so I wanted to help him out with that um, stats for each member of the train we came across something last week where we needed to know some stats for these people and I haven't decided how I'm going to stat them up um, obviously I will take a look at acquisitions incorporated see what they recommended are um, see if they should be tier 3 characters and I may just use sidekicks because that's easy sidekicks or um, followers from strongholds and followers um, do 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 yep arrows of piercing already up there all right and that's what I've got to do this week I've also got some editing to do I've been slacking on editing my stuff so I have two podcasts now and two actual plays to uh, edit I'll probably do the podcast first because they will be easiest uh, and then the actual plays will come afterward. So hopefully I'll start cranking these things out um, and we'll get back to a podcast a week and a video a week. That would be that would be amazing. An edited video a week, not just uh, me streaming. So I would be very excited to do some of that. Um, that's that's about all I got, guys. Uh, not too much else. Oh, um, let's see. Do RPG a day here real quick. All right. So where did we end last week? I would say we ended on five attribute. Forest. Uh, it's an environment that I like to use a lot. I like the dark forest theme. I like the um, nursery rhymes theme. Uh, Cobalt Press put out a great um, forest encounter, Margrave. Uh, not encounter, uh, adventure path. Adventure path. Um, I, I've not finished reading it. I am so behind on reading my stuff. Uh, I keep getting new stuff to read, and uh, my players keep going new places, and I keep uh, buying more stuff to read, and uh, it's not working out very well for me. Um, couple. Hmm. Uh, it's something I don't use a lot in RPGs. I very rarely have couples. Um, most people are single that the players interact with. Uh, maybe maybe that's because the couples don't want to get involved. They won't, don't want to risk their family by fooling around with adventurers. Uh, one of the best theories I heard about adventurers was uh, that uh, the people of the town really didn't like them. 
they came around they threw their gold around they made a mess of the town and uh they beat up the monsters around causing more monsters to come and while the players leveled up the monsters leveled up and the town got worse uh shade um darkness is something i really like in a game i i i dislike i, I don't know um dark vision in fifth edition is really prevalent prevalent uh, and I, I both like it and don't like it. I, I find it annoying because if you want to play a human, then you're like the only one without dark vision. I think there's like two other races, maybe Dragonborn and something else. So um, you don't get that uh, that that thing, and your um, hassle to the rest of the party kind of. It's a uh, it's a bit of annoying. Um, you got to carry a torch. Call. Um, yeah you gotta carry a torch and be kind of a beacon in the dark for monsters and uh that's not always a good thing that is definitely not a good thing uh light uh goes back to kind of the same thing i'm talking about there um light in the darkness is uh not a good thing in a dungeon uh, especially when you've got monsters around running around who can see in the dark um, I do like playing with light. Um, 5e has some pretty good dark vision rules. I don't mind them. They uh, they give you disadvantage in low light. So I uh, I forget to use that. You know we do, we were doing skill checks last night with uh, perception and I forgot to use it. Uh, let's see here. So 10 is want. Um, want. I tend to feed the players wants. Uh, the players uh, in this game have been buying a lot of magic items, buying a lot of specific magic items, um, and I'm letting them do it. I think uh, I think that sometimes it's good to give into what the player wants um, because they they want to have fun too, right? And adding a specific magic item for a specific build kind of makes it uh, my job more interesting, makes it more fun, right? I've got to crank up the levels, uh, like they. Um, got the sword of perun last week which is allows um you when you do an attack to uh let somebody else do an attack on their uh off turn and of course that gets passed on to the rogue who does a massive attack so that doubles his damage for every combat round and that is significant uh it is very very significant so i uh i'm gonna have to start cranking up monster difficulty after this dungeon stack um I don't like stacks of items. I like the way uh, I think Black Hack started it with the usage die. I really dig uh, rolling a die and, you know, seeing randomly whether uh, you used it or not. And uh, today's is message. Um, message. Makes me think of the message spell, which is uh, a um, kind of a tweet or a uh, text message uh, in D&D. That uh, lets you communicate with somebody far away, and uh, it's one of those things that can be used very well. Um, I had a, um, uh, a NPC party wipe, and the the last living member was uh, the mage, and she sent a message, and um, that message was not able to be returned, and the PC knew that, so uh, he knew that uh, the party had been killed um yeah so that's it folks um thanks for uh listening
That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackthenerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website, or email me at cockatriesnuggets at gmail.com. Check out my new streams on twitch.tv slash jerry247. As always, you can use my blog at Slacker Nerds to get links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join my new Discord server. Links in the show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share with your friends or shout out from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out, it's great for me. Thanks for listening.